Lord Jesus, oh God. Lord, 
we need a word from you this morning, Lord Jesus, oh God. Lord Jesus, hallelujah, we need you like never before, Lord, oh God. And so, Father, we cry out to you, Abba, Father, have your way today. Oh God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move up and down every aisle this day. Lord Jesus, oh God, hallelujah, that people would look upon us and know that we've been in the presence of our most holy and righteous God. So, Father, we bless your name today, Lord Jesus, move in this house, so God. Lord, and we'll give you unrestricted praise this morning, oh God. We'll give you unrestricted worship, oh God, because we declare thou art worthy to be lifted, oh God. Thou art worthy to be exalted, oh my God. Lord, we thank you, Lord God. Oh God, because you allowed us to come back into your house, oh God. Hallelujah, oh God. And we thank you, Lord. Let your spirit gently rest upon us, oh God, like the dew in the morning, oh God. Lord, we thank you, hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. And we come, oh God, to say we adore you, oh God, hallelujah. We bow down before you, oh my King, oh God. We come to Shekah, Shekah. We come to bow low before you, Lord, Jakuriana Lord Jesus, oh God, that you might minister to us this morning, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. Lord Jesus, those who are in need of healing, oh God, we thank you because we know that you are a healer, Lord, Jakusiana. Lord, we know that you are a provider, Lord, Shikiago, Lord, Jakiana, all that we need, oh God, again, your hand provides, oh God, because you are a faithful God, hallelujah. You are a holy God, okay. You are a righteous God, hallelujah. You are a master of everything, oh God, Oh, we give you praise this morning, oh God. Come on, lift up your voice and give praise to the God of Messiah. Oh God, we bless you in this place. We adore you, hallelujah. Oh God, let your healing virtue flow. Oh God, up and down the aisles today. Oh God, healing in this house this morning, oh God. Oh God, we thank you for supernatural breakthrough in this house this morning, oh God. We pray, oh God, that your glory, God, Yalasia. Your glory, God, Yalasia. Your glory, God, Yalasia. We fill this house, oh God. Fill this room, oh God. Oh God, move with you. Bless me, oh God, Lord, we pray this morning, oh God, that you accept our sacrifice of praise this morning, oh God. And Lord, we pray that everything that we offer up to you, oh God, will be a sweet smelling savor in your nostrils this morning, oh God, that you will be pleased with our worship, oh God, and you will come and dwell among your people this morning, oh God. Oh God, because we need you this morning, oh God. Yeah. 
know that I was going to be the speaker for today, I have to confess and I initially said no. I said no because in this time and season, so many things are going on and all of us, we have been disconnected from something. Me, my, me, myself also. So when I began to say no, almost as soon as I said no, I was convicted. Because I know as a vessel of God, we should never say no to an opportunity to proclaim his word. So God convicted me. And when he convicted me, he placed in my spirit a word. Disconnect. Because I knew I have been affected by disconnection also. And then he said, disconnect for purpose. So before I go into my um, what God has given me, I would like to bow my head and for a few words of prayer. Now, Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, for everything that I came through. I thank you for the walk that I had to take. I did not know that my walk, the things that I went through, everything was leading me up to the purpose, the original purpose that you established for my life. So, God, I say thank you. I say thank you, God, because you didn't allow me to go into eternity like so many others who didn't have the time, who did not take the time to say, God, forgive me and thank you. So, God, as I stand here today, I pray that you crucify Barbara. Crucify self, hiding under the blood. I pray, God, that your word will come forth. That your word will reach everyone under the sound of my voice. That your word will come forth in a simple but a powerful way. And at the end, oh no, that yes, we are here for purpose. So God, today I give you honor. I give you glory and I give you praise. Amen. My topic for today is disconnected for purpose. My scriptures, I will identify the scriptures, but I will only read maybe three due to time. Exodus chapters 2 to 14. Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 to 16, 21, 25. 27 and 46. First Samuel's first um, chapter 3, verse 4. When I with the word disconnect, I needed to have a clarity in my mind because I wanted to hear what God was saying. The definition of, di of um, disconnect is a breaking away. It's a separation from. It's a burning one's attention. No longer no longer on one accord. It's a break in a relationship. It's a detachment. Disconnect. Purpose. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Okay, God, so in order for me, in my mind, in my research, I wanted to dwell or look back to identify people in the were severely affected through a disconnection, but the disconnection ended in a purpose, a purpose that affected or benefited many people. 
Okay, I, so I began to look at the relationship between Moses and uh, Ramsey. I wanted to go back to find out what happened, what led up to the relationship, and what led up to the ultimate severance or disconnect from that relationship. So I had to look back um, at what was happening during that time, the time of Moses' birth shortly before. There was a disconnect or discord between the um, between the um, state of W Maya, between the Egyptians and the Hebrews. Now when the Hebrews first came to Egypt, it was under a good circumstance. They came as a result of one of their forefathers, um, Joseph. But as time went on and people died away, the new people that came on the scene, they did not know their initial relationship. And, and at that time, the Hebrew people, they began to multiply. The numbers increased greatly. So the leader at that time, Pharaoh, became concerned. He became concerned because he felt in his mind that at some point, due to the increase in the population, they may try to overthrow this government. So he decided that he would do a population control. He instructed the midwives to kill the, baby, the Hebrew baby boys. So by killing them, it would control the population. But the midwives did not um, accept that because they feared God. So an order was issued to kill the newborn babies. Now, when Moses was born, his mother knew that there was something different about this child. And she knew in her spirit that she had to protect this child. She hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, I guess she came out with, oh, now what can I do to spare this child of this? of destiny to spare his life. So she decided to, and I would call it a basket. She prepared a basket, it was secured so that water would not you know, come into it. And she placed him in the basket. The basket was covered, he was comfortable, and she left it by the riverbank. She assigned her daughter, Miriam, which was our oldest sister, to stand by and see what happens. Pharaoh's daughter came by. Um, she wanted to bathe, and as she came by, she noticed this basket. And being curious, the basket was fetched, and she found that there was a baby inside. And when she opened the basket, the baby began to cry. And she had compassion on the baby. When the baby cried, Miriam, she took the opportunity to come and said, do you want me to find someone who can nurse this baby? So Pharaoh said yes. And she, so she went and she got his mother. But the ironic, uh, the ironic about the situation is that Pharaoh's daughter paid Moses' mother to serve, to, uh, <laughs> to take care of him. In time, Pharaoh's daughter took Moses as her son. He was raised at Pharaoh's house, along with Pharaoh's son, Ramsey. They were raised as brothers. And as time and so Moses and a Hebrew boy was raised as an Egyptian. 
He was given all of the fineries um, that could be offered at that time, and no distinction was made between him and Ramsey. But as time passed, a seed of jealousy developed in Ramsey because he felt his father favored Moses more. At this point, it did not take away from the love between the two, but that seed, that seed was there, and that seed continued to grow. And as things occurred, the seed began to get bigger and bigger. When Moses was an adult, one day he observed an Egyptian mistreat a Hebrew, and he became so angry that he killed the Hebrew. And when he killed him, he buried him. But he thought that his deed, the act of murder, was not seen by anyone. But it was seen. And what he had done eventually became known. And, and Pharaoh um, had knowledge of it. So Moses decided to flee Egypt. Now at this point, that fleeing severed the relationship between Moses and the only family he ever knew. It severed the relationship between him and his brother, Ramsey. And I can imagine in my heart when Moses left, Pharaoh was hurt because he loved Moses. I can imagine that um, Ramsey, he was hurt because this is, you know, someone that I grew up with. You know, we were brothers. We did things together. Now you left me. So a seed of bitterness. That seed of bitterness. That seed of jealousy. It began to grow even more. But we know that this separation was needed. It was needed for Moses to begin to walk into the call that he was born for. He could not have walked into his call if he had remained ties with Ramsey and the Pharaoh. So that was the initial break. Now let me backtrack a little. When Moses' mother left her son by the river bank, that was the first disconnect. She had to make a decision to, to um, disconnect from her son. She may not have realized it, but it was part of the drawing into his purpose. So when God had to get Moses' attention, because at this point, Moses did not have a knowledge of God. So when Moses fled, he was gone for 40 years. And during this time, God made himself known to Moses. Moses learned to hear God's voice. Moses, through time, learned to obey God. So when he was instructed to return to Egypt, he returned as a different man. A different man with a different focus because he had a new master. He was connected with the one true God. And when the one true God gives you instruction, we should not say no. We should not walk away. We should realize that if he told me to do it, he's going to empower me to do it. He's going to do it. So he returned. And when he returned, you see, that was all the state. 
all ties with his former family, they were broken. If those ties had not been broken, then it would have been difficult for him to go to Pharaoh and say, God said to let my people go. He would not have listened. So because of the severance of the ties, Pharaoh's attention, um, he had his attention. By the way, Ramsey, who was the son that grew up with Moses, he became Pharaoh at, um, during the time when Moses had left for those 40 years. So when Moses came back, can you imagine the indignation with Pharaoh? Here is someone that I grew up with. Now you are coming back and you think you're going to give me instruction? You think you're going to tell me what to do? to come. Pharaoh had to get to the point where he said, I'm tired. Go, take them, take them, take them. So the children of Israel, they began to walk towards their victory. But before they got there, Pharaoh had a change of heart. He said, okay, I know, you know, what was in my mind that I told him he could take those people. So I know now that they're out the water, I know they can't go anyplace. So I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to send my army to make them come back. So the final straw, when God parted the water and the children of Israel began to walk, began to walk through, Pharaoh's army thought they thought, I can do that too. And as they began to walk, the water covered them and the entire army was drowned. So, Pharaoh at that time, he had to acknowledge that Moses God was the one true living God. He was put to his knee. He couldn't fight anymore because he realized, I'm fighting something or someone that I have no power over. So he brought it to his awareness. So that was the purpose that he had made. It was not only for Moses to walk into his destiny, to free God's children, but also Pharaoh to recognize that his God was the one true living God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And then I thought about the relationship between Jesus and Judas. So I would like to read uh, a few scriptures on this. Verses um, 14 through 16, and it reads, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests, and said unto them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they were um, connected with his thirty pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to, pray, to betray him. So then I'm going to go to the 21st verse. And it says, and they, and they did eat. Oh, and as 
they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And verse um, 25, Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast it. Hallelujah. Now, um, Judas was one of the original 12 disciples. I don't believe that Judas hated Jesus. I believe deep down he loved Jesus. But it was why he really didn't understand the purpose for which Jesus came. He saw Jesus as someone who as a deliverer but through natural means. He felt that Jesus would come with an army. An army that they could band together and they would overthrow um, um, the bondage. But that was not the purpose that Jesus came for. He came to redeem mankind. So that disconnect between Jews and Jesus, it had to come forth to propel Christ into the purpose for which he came down to, you know, be an atonement for man. The purpose was different, but Christ had to break that connection. So the breaking point was when Judas betrayed him and he was arrested. So that propelled Christ into the things that had to have taken place for the shedding of his blood and the redemption of sin. If we look at a comparison between Christ and Moses, we will see that the original purpose for both of them was to deliver. They were deliverers. And although that deliverance came with a lot of pain, when Jesus was on the cross, and when he cried, Father, Father, why have thou forsaken me? That was one of the most anguished cries that have heard, been heard throughout eternity, throughout the centuries. Can you imagine him who was with his father from the beginning? His father, the close connection. But when the father turned his face because he could not look upon his son because the sin of the world was placed on his son and he was alone. He was alone because the very creature that he created was crucifying him. So he had no one to turn to. So I can't even imagine the loneliness. But it had to happen. That disconnect had to happen. Because without the shedding of Christ's blood, of Jesus' blood, there would not have been any remission for our sin. So we would have been eternally banished from God. But he took it. Why? Because of a great love that he had for us. A love that we could never understand. He volunteered to come down and to die on the cross. So as I began to think it even more, I began to think about Ezekiel, the fourth chapter. In that chapter, it states that there is a time and a season for everything. And everything happens in its due season. And the seasons are identified by God himself. So nothing that ever happens to us is a secret. Because God knew about it even before the beginning of time. 
So then I began to think about our current situation, the things that are happening, the disconnect, the pandemic, the virus that has affected the entire world. And I began, God, I know that you did not bring this virus, but you are allowing it to exist. And there is a purpose. There is a reason. So we begin to look at the things that are happening and how through this one virus, the entire world has changed. Things that we knew have vanished. And many of them will never go back. We will never know life as we knew before the virus. So there's a disconnect. We are going through a disconnect. And this disconnect is, effect, is affecting each and every one of us. We're disconnected from different things, from different people, or whatever the reason is, there is a disconnect. We're living in unprecedented times. So, you know, our life has changed drastically. So, God, what are you saying? We're dealing with that invisible enemy. An enemy that we don't understand and we don't know how to completely avoid being affected by it. This enemy has affected every country throughout the world. Relationships, personal business have been severed or forever altered. Thousands of people including personal acquaintances, family members have died. Many have died alone. They didn't have the comfort of, the comfort of telling someone I love you or someone that they love telling them I'm love, I love you back. They were in isolation. I can't imagine the feeling of suffering, knowing that your time is short. But you have no one to reach out to in the natural realm. So you suffer alone. People cannot come near you. I can't imagine a feeling. But thousands of people have been affected like this. And the way things are going now, many more will be affected like this. Church doors were forced to close. And some have remained closed even nine months later. Many places that, you know, we went to for enjoyment, entertainment, such as our theater, basketball games, football games, things were shut down. They were shut down in many of those states. They are forever closed. Many of us enjoyed going out to eat. But now we can't go out to the places where we miss the free. We used to frequent. And if we go, we have to adhere to social distancing. And you know, sometimes people even wait. They're afraid to come near us. So when people come in here, can I take your order? Do you have a mask on? Can I take your order? But you have a glove on. Before I sit down, I see you wiping down the tables. So I don't feel comfortable. Although you know I want to have a nice relaxing dinner, I don't feel comfortable. There's been an increase in murders. 
domestic violence, divorces, racism, political corruption, natural disasters, alternate lifestyle changes, loss of job, loss of income, loss of food, you know, food lines, people losing homes, don't have a place, place to stay, or oh, how can I pay my bills? Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're saying because I know you're talking, but there's so many voices around me. And guess what? The enemy is right there trying to make it more difficult. We hear voices from the government. You need to do A, B, and C. We, need, we hear voices from our families. We hear voices from our loved ones. But the places where we were accustomed to going for comfort, our churches, many have been forced to close. So we don't have that fellowshipping with each other. Many of us, when we come together, we're almost afraid to say hello. I cannot shake your hand. I cannot hug you. I have to keep my distance. You stay away from me. Things have changed. So because of everything that's going on, we as human beings, we are not accustomed, we don't adapt well to sudden changes. We become frustrated. We become confused that although voices got voices going forth, many of us are having problems hearing God's voice. Yes, yes. We see that the body of Christ is also disconnected. The body of Christ is divided. Before the pandemic occurred, it is my, my personal feeling that God allowed the church doors open because he was displeased at a lot of things that was going on within the churches. Some of the churches have allowed any and everything to come in. Any kind of people to come in with the fake worship. Their behavior was a stench in God's um, nostril. We became lovers of ourselves. We became um, so um, um, consumed with seeking after position. We place a lot of emphasis on man. Many of us in many church members follow man as opposed to following God. So, I believe God allowed the shutdown because he wants to speak to us. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. We also, as a people, God-fearing people, we place small gods in front of the one true living God. We place them aside. Our focus was on different things. We're getting natural things. I want to get this job. I want to get more money. And in the cases of some, I want to be married. I want a husband or for the man. I want a wife. I want to accomplish this. I feel if I get this educational level, then um, I can excel. How many of us prayed, God, if my desire is my desire in your will? How many of us took the time to consult him in every decision that we made? I am one of those that's guilty. But with 
all of this, I feel that we hurt God. God was hurting. And that we, through our actions, we crucified Jesus again and again because we turned our back on him. We turned our back on the sacrifice that he made to have to make it possible for us to be reconnected with the Father. We put that aside. So, God, what are you saying to us? The answer. We find that, as I said, stated previously, most of us find ourselves disconnected in some kind of way from someone or something. A disconnection is often associated with pain. Many times the pain is needed to get our attention. Many times a pain, the pain is needed so we can stop, refocus, turn around, and know where we're going is not right. So there has to be a disconnect. An example of a disconnect for purpose, a lady in childbirth. Now for women who had children, we know that when we get to the point with those labor pains, sometimes they're almost unbearable. And many of us, if we could turn back the, the hands of time, we would gladly do it. Because we don't want to go through that. We, would, we don't want to feel our body ripping or stretching. The pain is real. But when that child is born, we, for, we quickly forget about the pain. Why? Because that purpose has been accomplished. And when the purpose is accomplished, the pain that we went through, we, get, we forget about it. So, this disconnect, in God's time, we're going to hear and understand why. And when we get the answer, then what we're going through now, we're going to forget about a lot of things. We as human beings, we often blame God for things. And we ask questions, why? God, if you're God, why are you allowing this pandemic virus to affect the entire world? Don't you see the dis devastation and destruction that has been uh, imposed upon mankind? So God, if you're a loving God, why are you allowing this to happen? God never changes. God is the same today as he was yesterday and as he will be tomorrow. God's love for us has not changed and he continues to say, my child, I have loved you with an everlasting love. My son, my beloved son, my only begotten son, came down to volunteer because there was no one throughout eternity, whose blood was qualified as an atonement for your sin. So he came down and he died for you. Why? Because I love you. But my creation, you have turned your back on me. And because of that, as your father, I am hurting. So I'm allowing things to get your attention. I'm allowing things so that you can hear me. I was currently, I'm 
solution with the invisible enemy has uh, with the with the invisible enemy, the virus. God has allowed it to remain because He's speaking to us. He's speaking to mankind, His creation. And the way I know He's speaking to mankind is because it has affected every country throughout the world. No one was spared. So when He does things like this on a massive scale, that's because He is disappointed with flesh. His prized creation. But how many of, of us are listening? God is speaking. But how many of us are listening? God speaks to us in different ways. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through dreams. Through visions. Through others. Through nature. And then he speaks to us individually. But sometimes we get so busy and doing almost nothing. We can petition God, but how many of us take the time to hear his response? Many times we go to him with regret. God, I want this. God, I want that. But do I quiet my spirit to hear what God is saying to me? A conversation is a two-way thing. And if I go to God and, and I put a request and I don't hear what he's saying to me, then that communication is not complete. So God is allowing us time. You know, so many things have been taken away from us. Many of us have time that we've never had before. So this time we need to devote and seek God's will. Knowing that, you know, when the prayers come together, thank God that there's strength. We can, you know, God, please take away. And God will listen to the prayers of his saints. How many examples in the Bible do we hear that when God changed his mind because of the prayers? The prayers of one and two. So we have to change our focus. Yes, things are happening. Yes, we have, um, things have happened to hurt us, and things may continue to hurt us. But the bottom line is, I want to make sure that my connection is secured with my maker. Because what will it accomplish me if I live in total peace on, peace on this side, but I didn't get it out straight with my father, and I go into eternity, and I go with eternal banding from my father. Given us a time to get it right. For the little things that we put in front of God, for the things that we fail to do, God has given us a time to repent and get it right. We hear that Jesus is soon to come. I was hearing that when I was a little girl. But we don't stand in time like God does, so we don't know when that time will come. But we know if we look at the signs, if we look at things that are happening, even in nature, and we realize that there's a correlation between man's state, what man does, and nature. Nature is becoming more violent. Why? Because man is becoming more violent. We see that, you know, the respect, there's very little respect for life. 
brothers against brothers. As a minority, we see how we're just like, it's just like our lives don't matter. We see that the people who are, some of the people who are sworn to protect us, those are some of the ones that are killing us. We see that we are killing our brothers. We are killing each other. We see the increase in domestic violence. We see the increase in violence towards each other. But God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to let us know that for those of us that he has allowed to remain, we are here for a purpose. That purpose is to proclaim God's word. That purpose is to go out into the highways and byways and to proclaim, to proclaim God's word. To let that person who don't know God, yes, you know God loves you. Yes, you have an opportunity to connect with him. But in order for us to get to that point, we have to lay aside the weights. The weights that we have allowed to attach themselves to us. Because as long as we carry those weights, we're not free to move and operate. We need to lay aside the weight. Because God is calling his children together. Because God is raising up an army. An army that will not bow down. An army that will go forth and proclaim his word with the power and authority that he's given us. But in order to be a part of that army, we have to lay aside the weight. I'm a 
put your servant, your child, here and understand your voice and have a mind, a willingness to obey your voice. So I speak to those under the sound of my voice. I speak to those that don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There is an opportunity. And no matter where you are, it's a simple confession. All that you have to do is to admit that you're a Savior. Admit that Jesus came down and died for your sin. Lord, forgive me and accept me into your to your, your, your family. Just as simple as that, and that's the beginning. For my brothers and sisters who want to do God and who walked away because the weight that the enemy has placed on us, and we felt it was so heavy that we turned away and we went back. God is still the same place that you left us. The only thing it takes for you to do a turnaround and to come back, and because of the loving God that He is, He will accept you back. So we pray for that return. We pray for empowerment. We pray for elevation. We pray for God to cover. We pray God to protect that mind so that we don't allow the enemy to come and to speak to our mind. We pray so that the word that you once knew, the word will come back to your mind so that the situation you're facing, the mountains that you're facing, that you will realize that we can speak God's word in that mountain. That mountain that seems that it can't be removed, that mountain has to be removed. God deal with our minds. So when the enemy places things on us suddenly, and we feel that we're going to be destroyed. But God, bring back to our mind so we can speak your word. And a peace, a calmness will come. Bring back to your word to our minds, God, so that we can realize that you are our shepherd. And if we keep our eyes focused on you, that you will lead and guide us into all things. And we do not have to fear the plots, the plans, the snares, Generational curses, anything that the enemy had to rise to rip us up. You're covering us. Why? Because you see the plans before we see it. You see what's in front of us. You see what's inside of us. So God, like a shepherd, a natural shepherd, he is looking out for the enemy. You look out for us. So God give us a mind to keep our will focused. So on today, God. Savior is no God. I pray, God, that you would allow something or someone to come into their path, to give them a change of mind, to let them realize that, yes, you are God. I pray, God, that they don't go into eternity without asking for forgiveness. I pray, God, for that person, that man, that woman, boy or girl, who at this point, oh, yes, God, who's thinking about committing suicide. I pray God that you speak to that mind, God. Don't let them go into eternity, God, without knowing that you have loved them with an everlasting love and that you are here for them and they don't have to do what
what they're planning on doing, but God could. So on today, God, I pray that your word, that your word fell on good ground, that your word began to tear down, uproot, and rebuild things that are displeasing in our individual lives. So God, on today, I pray that we, we will all get to a point where we say, Shall men give unto our bosom? 
If it's your week of tithing, I would that you would stand in the center aisle if it's your week of tithing.